following conversation with Ron Verza about his book, Working Oregon, originally aired on April 30th, 2021, on the Radical Songbook on KPOV, 88.9 FM, High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon. Ron Verza is an active member of the Pacific Northwest Labor History Association, and his book is a chronology of Oregon labor history. The Radical Songbook is hosted by Michael Funky. It is a two-hour show highlighting the role that music plays in social justice and protest, and it airs Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Ron Verza is my first guest this morning, and uh, you're an officer, is that right, in the... Uh, in the Pacific Northwest Labor History Association? I am. I'm an Oregon trustee and a former vice president from the Oregon chapter. Okay. And so tell us a little bit about what we want to talk about is, is a book that Ron uh, produced recently called Working Oregon, a, La a Labor History Chronology. But before we get to that, Ron, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself uh, and your interest in labor history and about the Pacific Northwest Labor History Association. I sure can, Michael. Uh, interestingly, we're, you and I have a little bit of an, a connection. Uh, back in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, I was the National Communications Director for the Canadian Union of Public Employees, which is uh, QP, the, the largest union in Canada. And, of course, we admire your work and that of David Elzala at Solidarity at the UAW, so there, <laughs> we did occasionally meet at uh, ILCA meetings. <laughs> yes. So that was, a, that was an interesting connection for me, and, and that was kind of a good portion of my time at the labor movement was as a staff member for that union. I was a, a local leader, I was a member very early on, and uh, really started my union career, if you want to call it that, in the early uh, to mid-60s as a member of the uh, International Union of Mine, Mill, and Smelter Workers. Now, really? the PNLHA, yeah. You, oh, yeah. You, you were in Mine Mill? Yes, I was in uh, in, in 66, and uh, then we uh, merged with the United Steelworkers uh, in 67. Right. That, that union has a, a really rich, uh, incredible history, in my opinion. Oh, and indeed it does, and, and and even in my local area, because as people probably noted, I'm a Canadian, eh? And uh, <laughs> my area of the British Columbia was uh, was a hotbed of mine mill organizing in the uh, in the 30s and 40s. Yeah, just so as, that's a bit of my background. Yeah, just as an aside, I actually have a little medallion that we found in a uh, in an antique store on the Oregon coast. That's the medallion that was that was when. It, it dates back to when the Western Federation of Miners became Mine Mill and Smelter. It's this really, you know, back uh, over well over a hundred years ago. Anyway, right. Well, in fact, it was 1916 when they when they changed the name. Yeah. And a, a lot of my research uh, of late as a historian is about that union and other unions that kind of cross paths with <laughs> Mine Mill, uh, and a lot of incredible figures that come come to mind through labor history. Because, of course, people like Big Bill Haywood uh, was part of the Western Federation of Miners and any number of other celebrated uh, characters from uh, labor history have made, you know, inspired me to continue learning about them and, uh, and just scratching through history to find out a little more about ourselves. Yeah, now, I, I'd, like to re I'd like to read some of that uh, history that you're collecting about that union. Well, believe it or not, I'm going to use this as a little bit of a self-promotion. Uh, the University of Toronto Press, one of the prominent... Uh, Publishers in Canada has signed a contract with me to publish my book, Smelter Wars, which is about 
<laughs> that union and about a big organizing drive that they were they were involved in in the, in the, that period of time we're talking about. So uh, you, I'm going to give you a lot more to read, Michael. <laughs> That's great. I, I look I look forward to it. So tell us more tell us more about the uh, Pacific Northwest Labor History Association. Yeah, the PNLHA is 52 years old. Uh, it started in the 70s, and uh, uh, in fits and starts, it started to get rolling. It's it's an interesting organization because it's an amalgam of uh, different kinds of people. It's it's not strictly an academic organization. It doesn't publish a, an academic journal. It, its principal activity is to hold a conference every few years and to produce an, uh, an annual calendar, labor history calendar. But uh, I go back to the sort of amalgam because in these kinds of organization, you often get it tied to a university, and and it's really a, a much more studious, uh, uh, scholarly kind of effort. Ours is different. The PNLHA is a, a place where people meet and, and talk politics and talk their, their labor history. They talk about what union they're from and the struggles they came out of. It's, it's, and, and they mix that with, with scholars, people who make presentations in a scholarly way, as well as trade unionists and workers who talk right from the, right from the hip and uh, let you know, or the lip rather, and let you know what things were like in places like Centralia, for example, or, or, you know, any number of places on the coast in uh, Astoria, for example, and others that uh, trade union battles took place in. And uh, PNLHA has been part of all of that for 50, over 50 years, as I say. And uh, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a fun organization, but also serious intent in, in its intent to, uh, to kind of popularize labor history or at least celebrate it and make it known wherever it can. Well, yeah, you you and I actually, when we connected uh, around the, our 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 individual relationships with Dave Elsla, uh, one right. of the greatest union labor editors ever, in my opinion. Uh, I'll agree. Hope he's listening, Dave. Um, <laughs> they, I, I I recall you and I initially we were talking about the possibility of the uh, Labor History Association holding what we were calling a mini conference over here in Bend, and then. Uh, and then the pandemic hit, basically, it's basically what it got down to, and those conversations kind of ground to a halt. But just so you know, since that time, I, I have put together, uh, and I'll send, you a, uh, I'll send you a link to it, when it once it's up on our website here at KPOV. I've done a, uh, a half-hour, um, pr- uh, it's, it's a presentation, a, a video presentation with slides of uh, local, local Central Oregon labor history. Not all-inclusive, I want to stress. It's, it's what I know. There's a lot I don't know. It's a work in progress. <laughs> you know, as, you, as you know, from your, I'm sure from your own work, I mean, you can, you can keep researching something forever. <laughs> and, yes. and at some time, you have to stop and publish. <laughs> That's correct. You know. so, I think that's part of our journalistic background in the labor movement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, yeah, you, you give yourself a deadline, and then you you know you try to adhere to it. So, yeah. so you decided so you, uh, through your work uh, at with the uh, Pacific Northwest Labor History Association, you have produced this book uh, booklet, "Working Oregon: A Labor History." Chronology, uh, Oregon's Working People and Their Organizations. It's a great little book. I actually, it's it's one of the sources that I cite in the his, history that I just mentioned uh, because I I learned some stuff early, especially some of the early early history. So can you talk a bit about how that book came about and why you decided to do a book like that? Yes, I can. Well, first of all, it's a 
it's a 92-page booklet illustrated with several uh, several dozens of photographs, and it reaches from r- really the first contact of uh, white people with First Nations people here, and goes through to 19 uh, 2020, actually <laughs> last June. So we've tried to cover it with over 300 entries, little uh, bullet type entries that give a little flavor of where uh, working people have uh, passed through in the last uh, several hundred years. So I I want to credit some a couple of people that inspired me to do this. Uh, one of the groups that I met when I first came down to live in Oregon 10 years ago was a group called the Labor Education and Research Center, otherwise known as LERC. You've probably heard of it, Michael. Yeah. They've been around for many years, and they do a, a, a great deal of work for unions, including labor history courses and uh, communications courses, bargaining, uh, arbitration, and so forth, all of the nuts and bolts of trade unionism. And uh, I, I got, uh, got to know quite a few people from LERC, and they, uh, they inspired me to kind of take a hard look at the, the union movement in, uh, in Oregon. They also were responsible for the, uh, the in my view, the, the very earliest chronology, just a little four-page uh, typescript that uh, kind of gave me a lead to where I, start, where I could start to look. So there's that, uh, in terms of the research, that was actually important to me to, to, to make that contact and be able to bounce ideas off of the people that staff, uh, staff lurk. Second source uh, that I think is worth crediting, and, and it's still alive and well, is the a little newspaper called the Northwest Labor Press. It's well over 100 years old now, and it's still pr- publishing 26 times a year. <laughs> it's a $13 fee to get it for the year, and it's well worth it. It's also got a, a, a website, and that's kind of kept kept me up to date with uh, what's going on in the labor movement today, but it also has a, a good... Uh, is a good source for a chronology because it goes back, as I say, a, a century. So those two sources were uh, kind of inspirational for me, and they were a big help in the in the research effort. Yeah, the uh, the Northwest Labor Press is a great publication. I've been a subscriber since I, I think even a little bit before I moved to Oregon, I started getting it when I was still working at the UAW in Detroit. But yeah, it's a great ma- uh, newspaper. I highly recommend to our to to our listeners that if you want to really know what's happening in the labor movement in the Pacific Northwest, you got to read the Northwest Labor Press. That's my opinion. Right on. Yeah. So uh, I want, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I just I wanted to add just because we both come out of a, a, a labor journalism background. Uh, this is a pretty rare beast to have something like the Northwest Labor Press serving the uh, Oregon uh, yeah. uh, working people. Because we don't have a whole lot of labor press anymore, right? <laughs> and so I just think it's worth highlighting that this is this is maybe the way to do it. Yeah, I think that's a really important point, Ron. That you and I go back to the days when uh, major mainstream daily newspapers around the country, in in many many cities, had not just business reporters, but they had labor reporters and. Uh, <laughs> And they actually, uh, their job was to, their beat was the other side of the business reporter's beat, so to speak. It was, you know, what are the workers in their unions up to? And uh, and there are still uh, reporters like Stephen Greenhouse comes to mind, of course. He was with yeah. the New York Times for many, many years until they essentially, I can't remember if they just eliminated the beat or whatever, but probably. And at any rate, he's, he's a freelancer now, and, and I, I'm not sure... 
if he's doing anything more than freelance. But he continues to write. He's one of the people. Detroit, where I lived, of course, there are reporters that get assigned to labor, but that doesn't necessarily mean that um, they know anything about labor. <laughs> you know, and it's really sad because you know the 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 old time the old uh, labor historian Stephen Greenhouse again is a great example. Somebody who's really schooled in the labor movement. It's not this is not just a you know this was a a, a life for him uh, and you know and yeah it's a sad thing. So it's really great. We are we are really fortunate. Uh, here in 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 Oregon and in Washington to have the Northwest Labor Press to uh, provide us that that side of the story. Um, yeah, and 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 of course to add to it, uh, Greenhouse Greenhouse's book last year, which was a, a, a very solid piece of labor history uh, that uh, I think was well, it was written as a journalist, so it was very popular, easy to read. I think it was called uh, Down but Not Out or something to that effect. Right. And it's again a recommended read. Yeah, uh, I, I I say read now. I want to come right to the booklet for a minute. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of the one one of the famous journalists coming out of Oregon was a guy named John Reed. And John Reed, as you know, was the uh, author of one of the most famous books about the Russian Revolution, Ten Days That Shook the World. John Reed was born in Oregon. He was born in Portland, and uh, you know he he lived there for a little while, and. Uh, and it took, that's where his roots lie. So that ends up being an entry in uh, Working Oregon, the chronology, among, among other writers. And, uh, and, and, of course, it's fair to say that John Reed was one of the most radical writers of the early part of the uh, 20th century. So yeah. that's, a, that's the kind of entry I looked for, was who's, who's from here and, you know, what, what were they about and what did they contribute? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, g- give, our, give our listeners a sense of, what they can expect to get from the book um, after they get a hold of it. And we'll talk about that later. Sure. Uh, well, right off the bat, you've got a front cover, which is an image of uh, a bunch of women cannery workers on the, on the, uh, on the coast, where, where, where the booklet explains a number of strikes took place, a number of uh, uh, women... Uh, basically took on the employer and uh, that, that sort of went on and that highlighted a number of individuals that came to the fore in the labor movement. But that said, uh, I wanted to s- sort of also highlight something that I think is interesting, staying with the theme of labor journalism. <laughs> um, one, of the, one of the surprising parts that I found out about uh, was a 1959 strike of the uh, Oregon, Oregonian newspaper. It was the, a big newspaper strike at the end of the end of the fifties. It was the longest strike at the time, anyway, uh, that ever had hit, existed in Oregon, and it went on until '65. Uh, it was uh, kind of thing that uh, actually uh, Jean Claire, one of the people that was fighting that strike, started a strike newspaper and 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 edited edited it with a lot of spice and vinegar. And he uh, he actually ended up working at the Northwest Labor Press, where you can find his columns on their website describing that famous strike. So, again, linkages always happen. So I give a little snippet of what might have been or what was, and then I'm hoping that people who read this little booklet say, gee, I want to know more about that. And if they do want to know more about it, there are other resources. One is the Oregon Historical Society with its two incredible websites. So, you know, there's there's a way of kind of developing this uh, from beyond the kind of uh, 
little bullet point history to, in fact, if people have the initiative, developing it into a full history of the uh, of the Oregon uh, labor movement and the working class in this state. So that's that's part of what I look for. Now, I look for the good, the bad, and the ugly. So you're going to find strikes won and strikes lost. You're going to find uh, employer skullduggery. <laughs> you're going to find uh, violence. You're going to find confrontations with the internet and inter- the industrial uh, uh the IWW, the Industrial Workers of the World, right. the Wobblies, and uh, they're, they're, in fact, by the way, one of the one of the people who uh, ended up uh, in the Centralia tragedy was a guy uh, who was born here as well. Uh, so, I mean, there there are those kinds of things that happen. I also think we've covered, to some extent, anyway, the treatment of uh, people of color in this state. Uh, not very good, by the way. Not a very good uh, high mark on that one. Or Asian workers. Uh, these are not highlights <laughs> that you can brag about in the labor movement, but they are part of the booklet because they're part of the labor history of the state. Uh, I, I, you know, in your district, uh, you know, I, I have some some information on industri- the International work- Woodworkers of America. I have other other information on loggers, in, including a crew up in the up in the high northeast corner of the state. Uh, Wallawa, uh, about uh, 26 black families who came up from the south and started uh, uh, a logging community in that neck of the woods. Uh, there's just that kind of thing every which way you turn, and you've got over 300 entries to, to pick it's- from. It's, it's, it's a great compendium of, of uh, I just really want to encourage listeners to to uh, to uh, take a look at the take a look at the book. I mean, it's like basically it's it's chronological and, and it just, you know, there's it's like, you know, a little a paragraph or so for each each entry. And uh, yeah, it's it's the kind of thing that you know it becomes a, it's a it's a great starting point for you if you really want to know more about whether it's John Reed or whether it's uh, the Wobblies or uh, the the newspaper strike you mentioned. I, I happen to uh, grow up in Portland, and so I'm old enough to rem- I remember that strike. I remember it very well, and I even have. A vague, you know, and I, I was. Uh, this would have been when my before my parents got divorced in the fifties. I even have a vague memory of seeing the strike paper. Uh, hopefully, right. hopefully, hopefully, I saw the strike paper in our house because my parents <laughs> weren't weren't reading the scab paper. But I don't know that for a fact. You know? <laughs> but I saw it somewhere, and I don't know where else I would have seen it. I doubt I saw it in my school. But yeah, it was a long strike, uh, a long bitter strike, um, not unlike a strike that occurred over here that I talk about a little bit uh, in the labor history I put together when when uh, nine members of the International Typographical Union went out on strike in 1954 after the new owner of the Bend Bulletin. Um, first off, he bought he was able to buy the paper for a song, a six thousand dollar down payment, and that allowed him to spend a lot of money on new technology. And as you know, the ITU and this was up in the the Oregon uh, Oregonian and the Oregon old Oregon Journal strike too. That a lot of it had to do with technology, um, the 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 job job costing technology that was being introduced into uh, that industry at the time. Yeah. So uh, I, go ahead. 
So, no, I just wanted to make sure I leave this thought uh, before we have to sign off. Uh, this is a work in progress as well. Um, this I've been getting feedback from trade unionists and uh, retirees and various other people and, uh, and apprentices and uh, and some some uh, historians as well. And, and the feedback is interesting because they're they are doing what I suggested. They're taking it further. They're saying I've read that uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna first of all check and see if first you got it right, and then I'm gonna see if there's more there that I need to find out. And they're also saying. Uh, they want to use it as a learning tool. They want to give it to their members, and many of them have members in the education sector. And what I'm encouraging them to do is get this to your education workers. Get them to have a look at it and see if they can have an influence on what's, what the kids are learning, because they don't get much about the labor history of Oregon in schools. Yeah. Uh, that, I, that I verified. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm kind of hopeful that this will this will be a trigger for a little more activity at at the school level uh, as we go along. It's tough to get legislation on this, but it's not so tough to introduce some of these interesting and vibrant stories about the working class of Oregon. Yeah, I think the key to that, and I'm hoping to do that too over here. And I think the key to that, the first key to that, is literally knowing somebody or getting getting in contact with a history professor or or uh, something like that whether it's whether it's in a, a community college a university or even in the high school you know finding a friendly a friendly uh teacher who is willing to uh introduce the idea of the labor movement to to his students and and uh, yeah it's, that's uh, the great uh you know that's that's what I think that's something that your book is really lends itself well to uh it, you know work in in education so we can't talk about how we can't mention if there's a price for this i can't I'm not allowed to mention it for f c c reels but regulations but nonetheless um how can people get a hold of this this book so i I hope it's not breaking the regulations to say to people that it's free no <laughs> it's certainly not. <laughs> and and it, it if you go to the website pnlha.org pnlha.org you will find information on the booklet you will find out how to get it uh and uh at the copies are diminishing <laughs> quickly but if you get a hold of me I'll send you one for free and th- this is a first edition with the hopes that you will um well hopefully you know, um, you'll quote-unquote sell out, and you'll have to get a second edition. I hope that, but what we're doing to sort of circumvent that possibility is we're setting up an online edition. People are sending in corrections and suggestions that we will then incorporate into an online edition. You know, we're living in the 21st century, and paper paper books like the one I'm holding called Working Oregon are... (laughs) Maybe not going to be that popular in the next ten, fifteen years. Well, I, I, hope, not. I hope not. It'll be it'll be popular with me as long as I can hold hold it and read it. <laughs> Trust me, I, I'm a I'm a book guy. You know, I, I mean, me I, I, I but I get what you're saying. I think, and I think that is great. That, that so so listeners, if you if you want a copy or you want to if you want a copy, go to PNLHA Pacific Northwest Labor History Association PNLHA.org. And you can learn how to get a copy uh, of uh, Ron Verz's book, uh, Working Oregon, A Labor History Chronology. And at some point you will have this, uh, or do you already have it up online? 
we have a we have it ready to go up in a PDF form, but yeah. it, it, what we're trying to get to is an interactive uh, timeline that people can actually feed you know feed information into, and oh. you know we'll have it edited that, and then that would be great. That would be great. That that would be a great thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah, history is a work in progress, and and it's and it's very much as, I mean, sometimes the research is readily available, sometimes the information is readily available through research, sometimes it's not. Uh, and yeah, exactly. And, and on to that note, uh, and I know you got to rush. Uh, basically, I see just about every event, every day of my life, as having a labor history background of one kind or another. Right. So. <laughs> Even the the recent Amazon Bessemer struggle has a whole bunch of background to it, and right. uh, it's, it's it's labor history, living vibrant labor history. <laughs> right. So before we go, before I let you go, uh, I think it would be great if if we could get back to uh, the conversation that you and I had at the very beginning, which was around the idea of a mini conference here in Bend, a Pacific Northwest uh, Labor History Association, or in some capacity, a way that that when you next have a, a conference anywhere, that we can plug um, Central Oregon people into it. I, I know that from my own experience here as well, the pandemic has forced a lot, initially kind of forced a lot of people to go online rather than having um, face-to-face meetings. I think a lot of people are, are seeing that as a valuable tool to continue, even when you do end up going back to uh, having people live and, and together. That you can also have a, an online, um, uh, you know, a, a way for people to participate online as well. But I would love yeah, to. I, know, I would I love to you. see if we could get something going over here in Central Oregon. Well, I'm certainly uh, keen to revisit that. Uh, as you say, the the, 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 the uh, pandemic pretty much put the kibosh on that for the moment. But uh, as we move toward a little bit of normalcy, it might be nice to revive that conversation. Yeah. We have somebody here who's a an IWA historian that I'd like to bring into the mix as well uh, in, in terms of the logging culture. And there are a number that I think we could really connect with and have a pretty good session, uh, you know, with so, good music. <laughs> so there's a, yeah, right. Uh, there, so you, I, you know, in my research, I did, I did do a considerable amount around the IWA, but who's the, can I ask who's the labor historian you're talking about, the IWA historian? Steve Beta. He's oh, okay. A, a, he uh, works out of the University of uh, Oregon History Department. Okay. He's, he's, he's in the process of getting his book published. His, his thesis turned, turned into a book. So he's uh, he's pretty knowledgeable, and he's, he's moved out here, and uh, he keeps track of things. So he, I don't know if you know him or not. I don't know, if he, I don't. I don't know how, much he, how I... widely he's published, but this book will, coming out of the University of Chicago will be, I think, a pretty interesting read for us. Yeah, I, I look forward to that. I, I'm gonna I'll make contact with him. Uh, I'd like to connect with him about that because I need to know more about the IWA. I, I I learned quite a bit about the IWA here in Bend, but there was a lot of stuff that I just couldn't find, you know, verifiable, strong enough information about that I knew probably happened, but I didn't know for sure. Yeah, no. no, he'd be a good he'd be a good resource. I, I don't know if he'd have all your answers, but he'd have a he'd have a, a bunch of them. <laughs> That'd be great. All right, well, thanks so much, Ron Verz. I really uh, appreciate you taking the time, listeners. The book is Working Oregon: A Labor History Chronology. You can go to plha.org to get your copy, uh, and or um, 
you know, go go there and ultimately find an interactive uh, copy of the book online that you can that you can read and participate in. But I would recommend to anybody out there who's listening who's at all interested in in Oregon labor history that this book is um, essential. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Ron. I really appreciate your taking the time. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and a program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.